Is the silent majority real? We always hear about the silent majority. The silent majority is going to come up. Well, is there really a silent majority? Let's not forget America elected Obama twice. We elected Bill Clinton. We elected Jimmy Carter. Sometimes the silent majority doesn't quite work out. So is there one now? President Trump seems to think so. His campaign seems to think so. And they have just premised an excellent new campaign ad on the silent majority. I'll have to narrate it because it's silent. I'm a mother of four. This woman, woman of color says, Joe Biden worries me. He's weak. Biden embraced the policies of the far left. Biden will raise taxes. She just throws the cards to the side. Give amnesty to 11 million illegal immigrants. Biden's trade deals emptied our factories. Huge. Emptied. I'm afraid to say this out loud. I won't risk my children's future with Biden. And that's the money line. I'm afraid to say this out loud. She's a woman of color. That's the, I guess that's the new category, right? What the left likes to say is when we say silent majority, we're just talking about white men and white men are terrible and forget about them. No, the silent majority includes people of every color, of every shape, every gender. There's only two, but every single gender. The silent majority, is it real? And will it win it for Trump in November? We'll get into the specifics. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. We have got to get to a superb comment that came up yesterday on YouTube from Dana. Nice of Obama to mention closing polling stations. My Democratic governor closed six in my district due to COVID. Exactly. This is the point. During Barack Obama's highly politicized eulogy for John Lewis, he talked about how Republicans are trying to steal the vote. Well, who's trying to steal the vote? Who's trying to steal the election? Sure looks to me like it's Democrats who are trying to cancel the campaign, cancel debates, and cancel voting as well. This is the issue of the silent majority or maybe the silenced majority, which we will analyze in just one moment. First though, speaking of safety, got to thank our friends over at Ring. You know Ring's mission make neighborhoods safer. And not only do they do that, that's wonderful. I feel nice and safe and secure knowing that even though Elise is a pretty good shot, one can check in on one's own home from the bedroom, from the office, from whether you're on a beach halfway across the world, you can check in, you can feel safe. A lot of people get in packages these days. Maybe you don't know who's dropping them off. Uh, it just allows you that peace of mind. But more than that, more importantly for me, I give ring to my friends as a housewarming present. Ring is not only cool, not only does it make you feel safe, not only is it like you're living in the future, it's inexpensive as well. So you seem like a really cool guy when you give it to your friends as a gift. Right now, get a special offer on a Ring welcome kit when you go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That includes the Ring Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. It is all you need to start building custom security for your home today. We all want to make sure that we are safe, particularly these days. Things are pretty crazy out there. Head on over ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, ring.com slash Knowles. So is there a silent majority? I've had long debates and arguments with conservatives over this because some people want to say that there's no such thing as the silent majority, even in 2016 or 2020, because more people voted for Hillary than voted for Trump, which is true, right? Hillary won the popular vote. Who knows how many dead people in Illinois jumped out of their graves to vote for Hillary. But let's just take the numbers on the surface. More people voted for Hillary. Does that mean that there's not a silent majority? No. 
That's a different issue. We know for a fact there is a silent, or I think it's better to say silenced majority of Americans who feel that they can't speak plainly, who can't speak truthfully because of political correctness. We talked yesterday on the show about how progressivism works outside of the realm of traditional politics, right? Progressivism, because they turn everything into a science. It's all pseudoscience, but it's all a science. So they tell you, you can't go to church based on science. They tell you, you can't go to school based on science. They tell you, you can't do this and you can't do that based on science. They tell you that boys can use the girls room based on science. It's just obviously ridiculous. But what they want to do is take issues that are properly in the realm of political debate, uh, taken up by we, the people, they want to take that out of the realm of debate and put it into the hands of the lab coats. The enforcement mechanism for progressivism is political correctness. It's this mealy-mouthed, crazy system of euphemisms that silences people, twists their own thought, and makes perfectly plain things unspeakable. It's not just conservatives. Do you remember the, the people who were complaining about political correctness back in the 90s and early 2000s? A lot of them were kind of liberal. In fact, a lot of them still are kind of liberal. They're old school liberals or they're moderate people who maybe they don't think that much about politics, but they know they don't like having to pretend that a man is a woman. They don't want to pretend that a baby's not a baby. They don't want to have to pretend like America is the worst place that ever existed. These are normal people, but they're not necessarily going to vote for Republicans, okay? A lot of people are fed up. The question about the silent majority is, is the silent majority going to vote in November for Republicans. Are they all going to break for Trump? I'll give you a perfect example of this. Came out of the NBA. Now, you'll be shocked to hear, I don't know very much about the NBA. I don't follow the league particularly closely. However, actually the only sport I ever followed closely was baseball, and now I can't do that because they disrespect the national anthem. But I looked a little bit into the NBA. Have you ever heard of a player for the Orlando Magic named Jonathan Isaac? Something tells me that even if you are a basketball fan, you might not know who that guy is. The reason that I mention him is because as of right now, he is selling more jerseys than anybody in the NBA other than LeBron James. How's that possible? Well, the reason is Jonathan Isaac is the only guy on his team who had the coglione to stand up for the national anthem. He stands up for the national anthem. All the other players kneel. The whole league kneels down. They accept the premises of the radical left Black Lives Matter. They attack the national anthem, the symbol of our country. They did that presumably because they thought that's what everybody wanted to see. That's that's where the mass, the majority of people were, right? Wrong. The one guy who stands up, his jersey sales go through the roof, even though very few people have heard of him. Why? Because there is, now look, obviously there's the silent majority. Are all these NBA fans going to vote for Donald Trump? I don't know. I don't, and I'm not, I'm not even saying this just because the NBA has a disproportionately black audience and black voters disproportionately don't like Donald Trump, right? I'm not doing what the left does and divvying this down strictly on the basis of race, but I'm thinking of sports in general. A lot of people who watch sports have sports. You know, people who don't watch sports treat politics as sports. That's kind of what we do. But people who watch sports, very often, they're just not that politically involved. So are they going to vote for Trump? Are they going to vote for Biden because they're not paying attention? Are they not going to vote at all? That's the question. What we do know, though, is Trump's got to get those guys. Trump's got to get the guys who are buying the jerseys of Jonathan Isaac, okay? And the one way to do that 
is not just to show what Trump has done and what Trump's going to do. They've got to show who Biden is and not just who Biden was 50 years ago or 500 years ago when he started in American politics before America even existed. You got to show who Joe Biden is now because Joe Biden is not that old, nice, lovable, moderate uncle Joe that we all think that we remember. Joe Biden is talking like any radical leftist you'd meet on the street. In fact, in a, a recent campaign podcast, I can't believe this isn't coming out until now. It was Breitbart dug this up. Campaign podcast, May 11th, Joe Biden is interviewing Andrew Yang. He calls for outright revolution. I think we can get through this period, but the things we have to change, and I think, I, I know you agree, um, we need some revolutionary institutional changes in how we do things. Yes, amen. It's painful because every passing day, more and more Americans are hitting desperate circumstances and dire straits, uh, and they're feeling this inability to uh, be more agile every single day. Well, we need an environment in the wake of this revolution. Everybody has a chance to be part of the mix, uh, and so it's not so self-evident exactly how to do that. So it's not just a typical Joe faux pas, a gaffe. He says a word that he didn't mean. He repeats that word. Multiple times you hear revolution, revolution. This has been a term of art on the left since at least Woodrow Wilson, right, going back all the way to the progressive era. But it's, it's taken on renewed vigor, particularly in the Obama administration when Obama said he wants to fundamentally transform America. Well, Joe Biden was Barack Obama's VP, and now he's using the same language. I think if most people heard that in the wake of George Washington statues falling down and cities going up in flames and murder rates going up by 175% and shooting rates going through the roof, I think if people heard that revolutionary change, they wouldn't be so gung-ho to go out and vote for Joe. And I think Joe Biden's campaign agrees with that. I think Democrats agree with that. And so what they're trying to do is hide the candidate away. In particular, they're trying to get out of the debates. So, so right now, this question, should Biden debate Trump? Well, it's very simple. No, if you're Joe Biden. If you want Biden to win, then you should absolutely pray that Joe Biden does not debate Trump. Because Joe Biden has lost a step, and even before he lost a step, he didn't have much step to lose to begin with. He's always been a doofus. I'm sorry to say it. There's no other way to put it. He's been a liar. He's been a plagiarist. He graduated at the bottom of his unimpressive class. He messes up words. He's an empty suit. That's all the guy's ever been. And now he's an empty suit who doesn't even remember he's an empty suit. So it wouldn't have gone well even in the best days. It certainly doesn't look like it'll go well now. And that's why huge Democrats are saying don't debate. Joe Lockhart, former Clinton press secretary on CNN, tells Biden, whatever you do, don't debate Trump. And then the way he, the way he justifies this, he says, Trump, he, he tells a lot of lies. Trump has made more than 20,000 misleading or false statements, according to the Washington Post. By the way, there it is again. There's that trying to make politics a scientific pursuit. They're, they're going to quantify every lie that, that Donald Trump has ever told. Then you look into the lies, because I can't really name big lies that Trump has told. When I think of Obama lying, I think if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. That's a pretty big lie. It's a significant lie. But with Trump, it's every little one. It's like, I had breakfast this morning. F fact check, seven Pinocchios. Trump only had coffee this morning, you know, or, or my, my crowd size was 30,000. Fact check, two million Pinocchios. His crowd size was only 29,400. You say, okay, I guess that's a lie, right? But, but that's what the left tries to do. So he says, Trump has told all these lies. It's a fool's errand. 
to enter the ring with someone who can't follow the rules or the truth. Don't forget, Joe Biden dropped out of his first presidential race because he lied explicitly and importantly, uh, not just about his academic record, but he plagiarized other people's speeches. So if anybody knows about lies, it's Joe Biden. But, but also, if you're, if you're getting into the ring with somebody who lies, that's great for you because then you can refute those lies, right? But no, no one thinks Joe can do it. Zach Petkanas, former Hillary Clinton senior advisor, writes on Twitter last week that Biden can skip the debates because Trump is not a legitimate candidate. That's another left-wing trick. Because for the progressives, there is no way they can lose. The left can't lose because theirs is the scientifically correct capital H historical path into the future. So if they lose, it's got to be illegitimate. And this, this fella, Zach Petkanis from Hillary's team, is just buying into that. Heads we win, tails you lose, right? There's no way for a Republican legitimately to win an election. So why do we even need to debate them? Why do we even need the facade of democracy? And then Thomas Friedman, one of my favorite lefties over there at the New York Times, uh, suggests that, that Biden only debate Trump if Trump releases his tax returns. What do tax returns have to do with debates? I have no idea. But what he's saying is, basically get a concession out of Trump because you, Joe Biden, are going to lose the debates. So is he going to debate or is he not going to debate? Biden campaign senior advisor, Corinne Jean-Pierre says that he will debate, but there's a catch. He's only going to debate when it's very, very close to the election. And with mail-in voting, by the way, with mail-in voting, many votes will already be cast before Joe Biden has to say two words. Well, the Biden campaign has been very clear, crystal clear on this, is that we have we have said yes to doing three, three debates and one vice presidential debate as it's been laid out by the nonpartisan uh, debate commission, a debate commission that's been around and, and other campaigns have followed for generations. Every campaign has followed for generations. And that is where we have we have agreed to do. And look, what's happening is Donald Trump and his campaign are trying to move the goalposts. But Joe Biden has said from time and time again, the first time he was asked a question and the couple times after that he is ready to take on Donald Trump. We will be there. He will be there ready to go. And so the question is, will Donald Trump be? Yeah, I think Donald Trump will be ready to go. The problem is the debates are going to start after 16 states are already voting. And you see the left is desperate to convince people to mail in their votes. Why? Well, because we know it's much easier to commit voter fraud if you mail it in than it is otherwise. And don't forget the left, the left owns all of these mainstream institutions, including the administrative government. So they've got a better chance to steal the election there. But the other reason is very simple. If you're not going to have a debate until September 29th for your first ever debate, you can already harvest a lot of votes for Biden before they realize the guy can't, can't pronounce his own name. The Trump campaign should have caught this sooner. They should have caught this months ago. And it is, it's on the Trump campaign that months ago, they didn't catch this. Things happen in campaigns. You drop the ball. They shouldn't have dropped that ball. Okay, we've talked about how for the past few months, the Trump campaign did not seem to be going in the right direction. They seem to be steering the ship in the right direction now. But this is a big faux pas because as we've said from the beginning, COVID is the campaign for the Democrats. They're trying to hide their candidate in a bunker. We were saying a year ago that Joe Biden's best chance is to run a front porch campaign and never leave. And then somehow, Coincidentally, that seems to be working out for him. So they should have moved those debates up right now. Conservatives are always, always behind the ball on this kind of stuff. We keep playing by rules as if the other side is going to play by those rules. 
We keep honoring traditions as if the other side is going to honor those traditions. We keep playing as though this is a game where we all agree on the basics. We all love America. We all want what's best for America. We all want to live up to the most wonderful ideals of our history and our foundations. And that's just not the case. That is not the case. You saw it at John Lewis's funeral. Yesterday, we played the clip of George Bush saying, look, John and I didn't always agree. And John also didn't think I was a legitimate president and boycotted my inauguration. Look, we didn't always agree, but in our America, the America we fight for, we can have those disagreements, but we still, we're still, you know, countrymen. And then Obama gets up there and says, Republicans are racist and they're George Wallace and they're trying to take away your right to vote and they hate you. Vote for Democrats. You have to go vote for Democrats right now. Those are not the same thing. Okay. And, and the right conservatives need to wake up for this. There's another debate coming out right now. Not just is there a silent majority, not just should Joe Biden debate. There's another debate going on, which is if God forbid, there is a Supreme court vacancy that comes up. We don't know who, but certainly there could be a few, maybe one in particular, if there were a Supreme Court vacancy that came up before the election, should the Republicans fill it? The correct answer to that question is, duh, yeah, of course we should fill it. We have the Senate. We have the president. Yeah, put, push, the, push the person through. But some conservatives say no. That would be wrong. Why would that be wrong? Because you see, in 2016, when Antonin Scalia died, Barack Obama put up a man, a wonderful man, a man, one of the most wonderful jurists ever, Merrick Garland. Peace be upon him. And Merrick Garland was not taken up for confirmation by the Senate. And he was not taken up because it was an election year and we established this principle and now it's an election year again. And give me a break. Give me a break. In 2016, the Democrats were saying you had to ram Merrick Garland through. This is very awkward for them now that Joe Biden is their nominee, because the last time there was a similar situation in the early 1990s, Joe Biden said that absolutely the president should not try to put a candidate through when it was flipped, when the Republicans had the presidency and the Democrats had the Senate. And now it's going to be a little different story again. There is nothing unprincipled about using your legal constitutional political power when you have it. What does it mean to be a conservative? Does, it, does being a conservative mean that we have to play by a sort of rule that we kind of half articulated four years ago as we were getting a Supreme Court justice through? That's what, that's what it means. That's the height of being a conservative. No, being a conservative is conserving things. So yeah, if we have this one shot before Democrats get rid of the filibuster, make DC a state, make Puerto Rico a state, basically cut us off from having a Senate majority ever again. Yeah, I think it would be a good idea to get a Supreme Court justice through. Conservatives need to be willing to exercise their power. Right now, McConnell's saying, of course he would fill it because cocaine Mitch doesn't play around on things like that. Lisa Murkowski is a little bit more moderate in Alaska. She says that it would be a double standard and then Daniel Goldberg, who's a legal director for some left-wing advocacy group, Alliance for Justice Action, says it would be outrageous to go back on their purported principles. Here's my principles. We need a safe country. We need a just country. We need a free country. We should live up to our greatest traditions. We should, we should support and enjoy and cherish our past, and we should look forward with hope to the future. Those are my principles. Some conservatives want to make up a whole bunch of new principles. Like you can, you can never have 
trade deals that include protection for American workers. That's it. That's the hill we're going to die on. Or you have to play by the rules that Democrats set five years ago. Or no, those, that's not it. It's much simpler than that. And when you're talking about the silent majority or the silenced majority, when you're talking about those people, they're not the ones with their noses in the political philosophy books. They're not the ones reading the manifestos. They want basic things. Keep me safe. Let me go to work. Let me raise my family. Don't tell me my son is a little girl. Don't pretend that babies aren't babies often, right? At least there are a lot of, a lot of people in this. Maybe they don't even care that much about that issue. Let me have a safe, just, free country. That's what we got to do. And there, there are things that we can do to push that forward. But we've got to break the locks of, of uh, political stasis that we've had for the past 30 years. You can see the consequences of not standing up all around us. A Republican uh, state senator in Minnesota, a senator named Warren Limmer, just found this out the hard way when a leftist mob came knocking down the door to his house. We'll get to that in one second. First though, I've got to thank you. I've got to thank all of you who have subscribed to the Michael Knowles Show on YouTube, not just the Daily Wire YouTube channel, which that's great. We like giving Ben the views, okay? We, we like keeping the Daily Wire ship afloat on our backs single-handedly, but we also like it when you head on over to the Michael Knowles Show channel. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're right now, I think we're about to hit 200,000, so that's really great. Thanks for ringing the bell. Also, you know, we have the all access membership tier at Daily Wire. This is our highest level of membership. You get behind the scenes access to the hosts and the writers and special guests. Also, you get early access to Daily Wire products like our new limited count collector's edition baseball bat in collaboration with Pillbox Bat Company. Best part about this, handcrafted here in the United States, emblazoned with the Daily Wire logo. This run of bats will be engraved with the individual number in the order they're produced from one to 100. So go get that. It's a very, very cool product, only available to our all-access membership tier. Text the word baseball to 83400 to purchase your collector's edition bat and get 20% off all-access right now with coupon code ACCESS. So text baseball to 84300 and coupon code ACCESS. And by the way, go check out Jeremy Boring, the God King Jeremy Boring, in absolute delight doing an all-access as that SpaceX landed down. Me, I don't care that much about outer space, but Jeremy loves it. So go listen to that. He knows a thing or two about it. Head on over. We'll be right back with a lot more. Republican state senator Warren Limmer found out the hard way what happens when a conservative movement for several decades doesn't stand up and conserve much of anything is you get roving gangs of anarchists banging down the doors so much for our constitutional norms. Take a listen. If you want to be voted in again, you will come and talk to us. Otherwise, you will never run in office again. He's definitely not interested. The banging continues followed by howling. Obviously, these people have no right to go to this man's house where his family sleeps and bang on their door and bang on other instruments with a whole mob and threaten him and tell him to come outside. That is the degradation of our constitutional norms. Would you ever see a right-wing gang do that? No, you wouldn't. Imagine, imagine if the Tea Party ever did that. The Tea Party was the best behaved popular movement in American history. They would show up to places for rallies. 
They would leave. The areas were cleaner than before the Tea Party got there. And they were called violent. Maybe you don't remember, you know, the, the media memory all these things, the cycle so fast. They were called violent. They were called Nazis. They were called Klansmen. They were going to, they were a threat. They were going to kill people. They were so well behaved. They were like Boy Scouts. Then BLM and Antifa show up and burn down the country. They're peaceful protesters. They're wonderful, peaceful protesters. And by the way, if you don't support them, if you don't post the black square, if you don't post the BLM hashtag, if you don't go to the BLM mandatory training session for why you're a terrible, awful person and we need to give a lot of money to self-described Marxists, if you don't go to that, you can have your life destroyed. Probably better for you just to remain silent. There's a lot of people right now who feel that way. Which way are they going to break? Part of this is the president needs to show strong leadership. COVID is the campaign for Democrats. They have exploited this thing to hide all of the flaws of their candidate, to hide all of the flaws of the election season where they would probably get blown out, to hide all of the wonderful accomplishments of the Trump economy. We have got to be able to push back against that. So how do we do it? One way that people are being silenced very literally is they're now being mandated to put masks across their face. Some conservatives, they're okay with the masks. They say, oh, what's the big deal? The big deal is this. There is no evidence that the masks do much of anything at all to stop the spread of this virus. None. Zilch. Nada. Right now, you've got public health officials in Sweden and the Netherlands saying this, saying the masks are pointless. They do nothing. Sweden's COVID cases are continuing to drop. By the way, remember Sweden, it was the shame of all of the West. Sweden, the whole population is going to get decimated because Sweden didn't lock down. Guess what? Sweden's doing better now than virtually anybody, certainly any of their neighbors. So the country's top epidemiologist, Enders Tegnell, don't you love those Scandinavian names? Enders Tegnell says he sees no point to mandating masks in public. Sweden's death rate right now is lower than Italy's. The Netherlands, same thing. They announced they would not institute a face mask mandate. Why? Well, according to the Minister for Medical Care, Tamara van Ark, it is because, quote, from a medical perspective, there is no proven effectiveness of, of masks. The cabinet has decided that there will be no national obligation for wearing non-medical masks. I've mentioned this to people and the the honest leftists, when I say there's no evidence that the masks work, they say, well, you haven't proven that the masks don't work. Let me, let me go back there. You're saying that we need to mandate that everybody around the country wears a very uncomfortable, stupid, ugly thing on their faces everywhere they, every time they leave the house, because I haven't proven that they, they don't have to, because I haven't proven that, that they don't work? Prove to me they do. I think it's you. I think it's you, the people who want to institute this massive national change, who need to prove to me that it does anything. And obviously there's no evidence whatsoever. Now, some people might say, well, there was one study once that showed that if you take a hot glue gun and you glue the mask to your face perfectly and you wrap your whole head in saran wrap, then maybe particles won't get in. Uh, okay. Is that ever going to work in public? See, what the left will do is they'll point to one example and they'll see when things are working exactly perfectly as I have ordered everybody to make them work, 
then it works out great. Socialism is perfect if everybody does exactly what I tell them to do. Then, then the economy runs efficiently. It's perfect. It works great. But what about reality? True socialism has never been tried. True social distancing has never been tried. What these two, two public health officials realized is even beyond the efficacy of masks, people aren't going to wear them appropriately. They're not going to launder them every time they wear them or throw them out every time. They're not going to apply them exactly perfectly without touching their face. They're not going to make them fit exactly right without any spaces. People are people. If your system doesn't account for people being people, then your system's not going to work. And if it's not going to work, what's the point? Same thing with the lockdowns, by the way. The point of the lockdowns was slow the spread, get the curve below the maximum so we don't overwhelm the hospitals. We never came close to overwhelming the hospitals. Flattening the, flattening the curve is what we did. It worked out fine. Now what? Now we're told, wait for a vaccine, find a cure. Okay, well, we were told by Dr. Fauci, you'll get a vaccine, which will be 70% effective if we are extraordinarily lucky. But then not everyone's going to get the vaccine, so we're not going to get to herd immunity. So what are we doing? I get it. In your, in your wonderful, magical model, this is all working out perfectly, but here in reality, it's not. And people are being silenced. They're being bullied. They're being intimidated. They're being denied basic legal rights. They're being denied their right to go to church, for goodness sake. They're being denied their right to speak because of your fantasies, because of your delusions, because you're flexing your power. A lot of people feel that way. And I don't think all of those people are, you know, the Brooks Brothers tie-wearing Republican types. It is incumbent on conservatives and Republicans to go get those people. This brings us to a question on COVID aid. So right now the White House is threatening to go, go alone on more COVID aid. Democrats proposed a $3 trillion plan. That's on top of the last $2 trillion plan that got levered up to $6 trillion for, to get us through, what, four months of coronavirus, and it didn't even get us through that much. Now they want another plan for $3 trillion. Who knows how much that would be levered up to. Republicans came back. They said they want a $1 trillion plan. They can't figure it out. Negotiations have stalled. White House says it might go it alone. And this is being called tyranny, irresponsible by people on the left and the right. I don't like the idea of another stimulus. I think we need to reopen the country. That's the only way forward. But let's say we can't do that. Let's say the left won't let us reopen the country. Should the, should the White House spend a trillion dollars, if they even can, in an election year? You're damn right they should. Of course they should. First of all, what's a trillion dollars between friends, right? Look at what our national debt is, well over $20 trillion. Look at the spending that we've had for the last 50 years. A trillion dollars during a pandemic isn't going to matter one little bit. But what the left is banking on is that Republicans won't spend that kind of money and won't get people through and then we'll lose the election. What the left is banking on is they can successfully keep the economy crashed past November 3rd. There are even school districts now that are saying we plan to reopen the Monday after election day. It's all about the election. So should Republicans fight back? Of course. Is that unprincipled? I don't think it's unprincipled. I would much rather have good conservative governance that makes structural changes to pay down our debt and reduce our deficit. I would rather our government have some energy to it and actually exert power on the rare occasion that it has it. Because the left sure is. Bill de Blasio was just asked how it came to be the case that he painted a giant Black Lives Matter mural down the streets of New York. Because if you want a mural in New York City, there's a process to go through for that. So a reporter just recently asked the Bolshevik mayor of New York what process he went through to put that, to put that mural up. And you know what he said? He said he didn't go through a process because, you know, this, 
This moment suspends all the rules of politics. We haven't said no to people who said, if you want to apply, you can apply, but there's a process. Uh, look, the fact is that what I decided to do with the Black Lives Matter murals, and this came out of a meeting at Gracie Mansion weeks ago with community leaders and activists who said this would be such an important thing for this city to declare officially. Um, that is something, again, transcends all normal realities because we are in a moment of history where this had to be said and done. That's a decision I made. But the normal process continues for anyone who wants to apply. The normal process continues for all the peasants. Yeah, the normal process is for all you little people, not for me. I do whatever I want because this moment transcends all political questions meaning it transcends all of the law, all of the constitution. This moment, it's a, it, it, it needed to be said right now by the city of New York that black lives matter. Let me ask you a question. Does anybody on planet earth think that New York city does not believe that black lives matter? Uh, no, I think we all know that New York city thinks black lives matter. If the mayor is right, in his ridiculous political view that real liberals love black people and conservatives hate black people, New York's one of the most liberal places in the, in the world. So you're good, right? Any, any way you slice it, by de Blasio's own logic, he would be fine. But he's just another petty progressive demagogue who believes that the democratic order, the rule of law is fine. It's a fine facade for all, you know, all the ruffians to kind of keep them amused and distracted. But him, he knows what's best he knows that he gets to violate the law. He goes it alone. That's what happens here. That's what you can be promised more of if Joe Biden is elected. An outright revolution, he says. And if you thought the abuses of the Obama administration were bad, that was a long time ago now. Barack Obama got elected for the first time a dozen years ago. Think about how much more radical our, our politics, politics rather, have become in the last few years. Think about how much more radical they've become in the last 12. Barack Obama ran against gay marriage. He said marriage is a, is a bond between a man and a woman. Could you imagine that now? He seems like he's an old fogey now. That would make him a conservative Republican if he were to say that now. Even many Republicans won't, won't acknowledge that. So what will you get with Biden? And meanwhile, you've got a full-on media, political, journalist, big tech apparatus that will lie on the left's behalf. What started all of the BLM protests and riots? The, it was the death of George Floyd. And we saw that video of the death of George Floyd and everybody was, was aghast looking at that video because you see a man lying dead on the ground. Well, the Daily Mail somehow has gotten footage of the body cam leading up to the arrest and to the eventual knee on his neck. I'm not going to play it. I thought about, should I play it or should I not? I think there's something a little bit morbid, a little bit uh, wrong about playing this video where you know it's going to end in this man's death and then the man is dead on the video. At the, so I'm not going to play it, but I will tell you what happens. I am, I am giving you a straight rundown. If you want to check it out for yourself, you're more than welcome to. Cops come up, knock on George Floyd's window. He's sitting in his car and he becomes very emotional and he starts sort of yelling and crying and, and he, but he, crucially he isn't cooperating. So finally they get him to put his hands on the, on the wheel, but he seems like his behavior is erratic. Later, it appears we found out he was on drugs. 
Then they finally get him out. He says his mother just died. That turned out that was not true. His mother died a while ago. Then he says that he, he can't breathe. This is while he's standing up. This is, you know, not, not while he's lying on the ground. Then he refuses to get in the car. He says, he says he won't get in the cop car because he's claustrophobic. He can't be inside a car, but obviously that's not true because when the cops arrested him first, he was sitting inside of a car. So very, very strange behavior. It's very emotional to watch because he's, he's really, he's crying. He's, he's become erratic. He's, but when you watch the whole footage, you think, gosh, this is horribly sad. And I don't know what happened here at the end. And I don't know why, you know, the guy kept his knee on his neck, even when he wasn't moving. And I don't know any of these things, but overall, what the footage shows is that this was a much more complex situation than anybody thought. The cops were not just going in and trying to come out and kill this guy. There was a long issue here. There was a lot of erratic behavior. There was a lot of resisting arrest. It's going to make it very difficult for this murder charge that they're trying to throw on the cop to go through. You might say it was an abuse of power. You might say he behaved inappropriately. You might even say it was manslaughter. But murder, there's just not evidence of that. But that's not going to get out. I guarantee you that video is going to be suppressed if you can, if you can even find it still. That's not the point. The reality is not the point. It's the illusion. And it's, and it's the fact that you've got to pay lip service to the delusion and the fantasy and the ideology. And if you don't pay lip service to it, you will have your life ruined. All based on a lie. This runs so deep. You've got Karen Bass now being considered as a potential vice presidential candidate with Joe Biden. Karen Bass, a radical who volunteered for communists in the 70s, who praised Fidel Castro just a handful of years ago, who regularly associates with the head of Black Lives Matter, with with self-described Marxists. Then when I asked her about it on television, she lied through her teeth and said she didn't know any of those people. It's a radical person. That could be his running mate. Forget it, even the staff. This culture has become so pervasive. I kid you not. A, a comment on Twitter by a scientist, uh, a guy who runs a science journal, a, a joke about roundworms is now being denounced as racist and sexist and promoting white supremacy. Uh, seriously. A guy, Michael Eisen, editor of eLife, was talking about C. elegans, uh, commonly known as roundworms. He said they're the most overrated animal. They wiggle forward, they wiggle backwards, and occasionally they F themselves. That's it. It's pretty funny. People were just taking this joke in stride. And then a group actually came out and said it was racist and it was sexist. How? I don't know. They were, they were find, it was basically following intersectionality to its logical conclusion, which is that there's one oppressor group, which I guess would be straight white men who think that they're men. And then everyone else is oppressed by that group. Now, apparently including animals, not just animals, including insects as well. Not just insects, including little roundworms. So one, one person said, look, it's just a joke. And a woman replies, it's just a joke. Women and people of color have heard that one before. That's how locked up in this ideological fantasy they are. That is a stifling environment. That is an environment that is so ridiculous, we would all be laughing at it, except you can't laugh at it. Because if you do laugh at it, you could lose everything. That, that gives you a silent majority. Trump's whole job from now until the election is not to appeal to left-wing Democrats. It's not to appeal to left-wing interest groups that the left has divvied up. 
It's not to pretend that he's a more liberal candidate than Joe Biden, which is what his campaign was doing inexplicably for months. His entire goal must be to appeal to that group, the silent majority of Americans. And in an environment as crazy as this, they just might vote for him. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Walsh Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Thank you.